1: What's happening, Rebels? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time you're listening to this. Man, we've got a good podcast for you today, sponsored by SaveTheStorks.com, my favorite pro-life organization. Hope you will check them out. A great Moms on the Mic episode. Our guest is Catherine Parks, and she's talking about empowering daughters, and it is a great, great story. Talking about powerful women throughout history, and how that can impact your daughter's life. Let's jump into it. Here is Katherine Parks on today's edition of Rebel Parenting.
2: Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Moms on the Mic. Here we are. Once again, (laughs) Moms on the Mic. Thank you, all you Rebel
3: listeners. We are here today to talk to Katherine Parks, and she is the author of this amazing book, Yes. Empowered How God Shaped 11 Women's Lives and Can Shape Yours, too. Mm. And I'm super stoked to talk about this book. And so is Laura, because this is right up her alley and my alley. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Yes. So I live in
4: Nashville, right outside of Nashville. My husband and I have been here for almost 14 years. So this is definitely home. And we have two kids. Our daughter's 11 and our son is eight. And my husband does video work, um, video production, and I get to do writing and nannying and, you know, it's we joke in, in Nashville, you ask people what they do and they tell you they're a musician.
3: Uh And then you ask
4: like, okay, what coffee shop do you work at? Or where are you (laughs) a waiter waitress? (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of like that being a writer too. Sometimes you got all these little things that you're doing. So
3: yeah, little side jobs. Well, and you've written a different book too, right? What's your other book? there's
4: a book coming out in June. That's kind of the follow-up of empowered called strong and it's for boys. So it's 11 oh, men perfect. instead of the 11 women. So yeah, I've written some in the past, but these I'm really excited about for kids. It's my first time in kind of the kid range. So it's really fun. That's
3: yeah. Great. So do you want to talk about this book and how did you go about writing it? What inspired you to write it? We'd love to hear. Yeah.
4: So my kids have been, um, we've kind of been in public and at home and, you know, kind of hopped in and out with their schooling. And several years ago when my daughter was in first grade, we were homeschooling and I had the opportunity to read a lot of biographies to her. And, you know, it's something reading aloud is one of my favorite things to do with my kids. And um, so fun, so fun. fun. And I'm going through Harry Potter with my son now. I did it yes. with my daughter, and we are one chapter away from finishing book five. And nice. oh man, it's Congratulations. just thank you. <laughs> I've had time to work on all of my accents, so yeah. nice. We're here, my Hagrid is pretty solid. These nice, days, but nice. Snape is impossible. Nobody yeah. can. No one can do that one, but
2: <laughs> my husband but I read them all,
4: all to my did son they... out
2: loud. Oh, yeah. There's seven. Yeah, seven. <laughs>
4: okay, I think yeah. there's eight. Isn't oh. there eight? Well, there's eight movies. They put the seventh book into two movies, two. I guess. Right. Okay. So, anyways, that's totally irrelevant, but, <laughs> uh, but I love reading aloud yes. to my yes. kids. And so I realized, you know, there are so many people that I want them to know about and mm-hmm. so many biographies. I wish we had time to read, but we just don't. And so that kind of sparked this idea. What if What if I could introduce families and kids to several people and then maybe they find one or two that they want to do a deep dive on and Mm -hmm. learn more about. And at the same time, I was having conversations with a friend kind of on the heels of the women's march. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about just kind of feeling displaced as women in a lot of ways because we resonated with a lot of the things that people were talking about Mm -hmm. with the women but we couldn't go all the way there. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of wrestling with what are the messages that we want our daughters to have and our children to hear and, and what does it mean to be an empowered woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are we maybe giving them by thinking we're giving them like freedom and power and all of these great messages? Are we actually saddling them with expectations that they can't possibly live up to by telling mm-hmm. them they need to be this and this and this, and they can be great and they can do it all. And, mm-hmm. You know that's something that I see in my daughter's generation that I didn't necessarily grow up with and there can be a good and a bad side to that. So all of those things kind of formed
3: at the same time and that's where Empowered came from.
2: That's awesome.
3: That's awesome. There is such a dynamic of, yes, there's that freedom to be a woman. And I think you hit on something that's so, I think we even struggle with of, no, I can't do it all. And Mm -hmm. being honest with our kids of like, yes, I am able to do this and I can't do it all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's huge.
2: So where have you found that like when you were writing this book that you got most, uh, Alive or came alive. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, this book just speaks to me. I love to read aloud to my children. And I love, we've done classical conversations with them. And then we switched to like a Charlotte Mason philosophy. Mm -hmm. Like, if people listening don't know what those things are, no big deal. It's just a philosophy of education that you teach your children. Mm -hmm. But I was reading aloud to my son this morning, and he's a sixth grader still. And he still loves it. Like, Mom, will you read this to me out loud? I'm like, Sure, buddy. You know, so. I've done it since he was in kindergarten and now I'm going to get to read your one that you have for boys coming out soon. So oh, fun! I just would love to hear like what just set you on fire to
3: write it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Or if there was like a particular woman that was like, yeah. I got to write about her. This has to be, a, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I really, I wanted to tell these stories, but I grew up reading a lot of biographies and kind of feeling like, this was something I couldn't live up to, but this is what a real Christian looked like. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you read about Amy Carmichael and think, well, <laughs> I can never live up to that. I'm not going to live in India and do all the harrowing things that she did. And um. on the flip side, my sister-in-law said she read all of those same biographies and thought, I can do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go out and do all of the things. And both extremes can, I think, again, like give give kids this sense of this is what I have to be and the stakes are really high. And, and so it was really important to me that the book did two things. Yeah. And one was to tell an honest story that gave mm. the big picture that God was the one empowering these people to do these things. Yeah. And that the same God who empowered each of them is working in, our children's lives mm. in the same way. And so when my daughter is struggling to forgive someone, the same God who helped Corey Timboom to forgive mm. is working in her and can give her that same power to forgive mm. through his spirit. So that was one side of it. Not only was it important for me to tell the truth about that, but also to tell kids like, you don't have to wait mm. to do these things. Right. Yeah. And these are daily decisions. And I think sometimes we look at these people and we think, okay, the Tin Booms rescued 800 Jews. Yeah, And, you know, Fanny Crosby wrote 9,000 hymns. And we wow. see these little snapshots of their lives and yeah. it looks so amazing. But what we don't see is Corey and Betsy Tin Boom living day after day in this home in tight quarters with people who, some of them were really difficult to get along with mm-hmm. and, you know, making just these daily choices to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And I think- for my kids, it's not, you know, my daughter could say, I want to do something big and I want to be like this person. But it's really important to me that we all see these people weren't feeling like they were doing those things. They were doing the next obedience step each day, waking up and living faithful lives and living in obedience to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's something that starts now. It doesn't start, you know, at some magical point in the future.
2: Oh, I love that. making that distinction for young people and even for moms listening is that
4: we don't know
2: the impact we're going to make in the future. Like you're saying that maybe these ladies didn't even know Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they were changing the world. And now here we are looking at them as models and heroines to look up to. I love that. I mean, that was
4: one of the things about like um, Phyllis Wheatley. She died in poverty and Mm -hmm. she'd had one collection of poems published, but she was relatively obscure when she died at a young age. And, you know, no one would have looked at her life at that point and been like, oh, she's this amazing woman. And one day she'll have a statue in the middle of, you know, Boston or or some of these things. And so I think our kids are being raised in a culture when like YouTubers are their heroes. Mm -hmm. And my son was having a basketball game at an elementary school. And on the wall, all the fourth graders had drawn pictures and talked about what You know they wanted to be when they grew up, Mm -hmm. and there were some of like the normal like veterinarian. You know every Mm -hmm. little girl wants to be a vet for a little while, and (laughs) major league baseball player. But the majority were YouTubers. Like they all wanted to be YouTube stars, and I just had no category for (laughs) (laughs) them. I'm like, what is a YouTuber? I don't even know what this is. But I think our kids are growing up in that generation where that is success to them or, you know, the influencer generation and to give them a picture that's just bigger Mm -hmm. and outside of themselves and more focused on glorifying the Lord and on helping others. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's something that we can cast a vision of for our kids just by exposing them to good stories like
3: this. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Well, I have a 12 year old girl And Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your thoughts. Like, what's the best way? So I am not typically a read aloud Mm -hmm. parent. So I resonate on the other side. So I'm usually the, here's a book and I love you. Say a prayer and good luck reading for the 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I would love to incorporate this with her and Mm reincorporate that. So can you share maybe some ideas of how I could do that or... For another mom that's yeah. kind of re entering back into that reading to your kid. And, yeah. Mm.
4: Yeah. And you know, my daughter is 11 and she's kind of, every once in a while, she wants me to read to her, but she's a pretty voracious reader herself. And I think sometimes she wants to read faster than what you can do with the yeah. read aloud. And <laughs> it was really fun writing this because she wanted to be very involved in the mm-hmm. process. So she read the whole book before it went to the printer and gave oh, me some feedback. Awesome. And, it was really helpful to have like the target uh-huh. <laughs> audience living in my home. So so it was neat because we had some good conversations about it. But yeah. I have a couple of friends who they've bought two copies. And so the mom will read and the daughter will read. Oh. And then, I mean, you can do that with one copy. But then they just make a point to discuss it. And so I think, you know, I've tried to include some discussion questions for yeah. each chapter. Okay. I kind of just springboard into hopefully getting at getting her to think mm-hmm. and then getting her to open up about some things that she might not even be telling you about, you know, difficult people yeah. in her life or areas that she's struggling and, and there are verses to look up and apply together. And so the few times that my daughter and I have done something like this with different books, we tried to make it really special. So having like a special snack or going out for coffee and yeah. making it a point to, not make it feel like drudgery, but like yeah. this exciting thing that we get to share as women together. And so, you know, I have some other friends who are doing it this summer as a mother daughter book club. Mm-hmm. And that would be great uh, a gathering together. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm trying to put together some resources even that I'll have on my blog for, um, you know, Snacks to make together or crafts mm-hmm. to do that kind of go with some of the women, but just to make it a fun experience mm-hmm. where they get to kind of enter into the world of these different women.
2: That's now, an excellent. Yeah. What age do you think you could start with this? Because mm-hmm. I, I have a seven year old and I'm like, oh, I could read it to her. But I was yeah. wondering what was your vision for it? The target age is eight to 14. Eight to but 14.
4: Okay. I think, you know, there are a few words or concepts that you may have to explain yeah. Um, yeah. to a- reader, but I don't think it's, you know, exceptionally over anyone's head. And then I have another friend who is doing it with a group of high school seniors. And she is having them read some of the biographies that go with, you know, the chapters. So kind of the chapters and introduction, and then she's compiling Bible studies for them to do for each chapter and having them read the biography. So kind of taking it and springboarding it into a deeper study, which is really fun. That's That's fantastic
0: don't go anywhere we'll be right back with
1: more rebel parenting hey rebels this portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at save the storks save the storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy and that's my story i was an unplanned pregnancy my birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle and a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses, providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit SaveTheStorks.com.
0: Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us?
3: So going back to a couple of questions. So who is your favorite? Out of these 11. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard. It's like choosing your favorite child. (laughs) We're not supposed to do that. No, just kidding. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) At least you're honest.
4: (laughs) And the thing about that, too, is with your children, you have different stages of life where Mm -hmm. you maybe connect in different ways. And I have felt that with these women learning their stories and and as i'm going through different experiences or trials there's one that kind of stands out to me the story of sophie scholl has been really important and meaningful in my life before we had our daughter we saw the german language film about sophie scholl's life it's called sophie scholl the final days and it's got english subtitles but it's just basically about the last 3 days of her life mm. and up to that point, I'd never heard of her, didn't know anything about her, but the story made such an impact on me that that was one of the major reason, reasons that we named our daughter, Sophie, yeah. and um, just her courage and wisdom and the way that she sought to honor the Lord was really just precious to me, and I love that my daughter's getting to grow up having that meaning and that heritage as part of her name. Can you go into that story a little bit? Yeah. So Sophie was, she was a teenager growing up in Nazi Germany and Mm. kind of started to realize that, you know, I think because of the family that she was raised in and the foundation that she had, she was able to look around and see something isn't right. And Mm -hmm. she had two older brothers who got involved in this resistance movement, um, an anti-Nazi resistance movement. And they started an organization called the White Rose. And at the age Mm -hmm. of 21, Sophie joined them. And what they would do is they were writing and printing materials that were basically calling their fellow Germans to notice what was going on, to wake up, to see um, not only that there were horrific things being done, but also that Germany was losing the war, which was something that if you were living in Germany at the time, the mm-hmm. propaganda was so strong that you didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, the soldiers that you loved were losing. And it was a hopeless fight at that point. And so they were distributing these leaflets in universities and different towns. And they were she and her older brother were caught and interrogated for a couple of days and then sentenced to death. Wow. Ooh. Whoa. And so the movie is actually largely dialogue of the interrogations. And so it's not necessarily gruesome in any way, but it's just a younger audience would probably find it kind of tedious, but I would say like 13 and 14 and up would probably find it really impactful. And so it's just this interrogator trying to get her to basically take the way out and say, Mm -hmm. if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do what I did. Mm -hmm. She just keeps Mm -hmm. saying, my philosophy is right and yours is wrong and if i had it to do over again i would do everything that i did that's all awesome. so just that courage and passion at such a young age mm-hmm. and and really compelled by her love for christ and love for her fellow man so mm, so yeah that's wow. her story and Uh, Charlotte Fortin Grimke was someone that I didn't know about and I was asking some friends for help and my friend Christy Anyabile who's a pastor's wife in DC she recommended Charlotte and Charlotte grew up in New England during the civil war and she was African-American kind of had this strong heritage of like abolitionists in her family Mm -hmm. but she was the first African-American to um go to the school that she went to and then to become a teacher mm-hmm. in this town in Massachusetts and what was really impactful to me about her story was her journals and so oh, cool reading her journals as a teenager and realizing you know she's struggling with these things that she's seeing and seeing escaped slaves mm-hmm. being recaptured and sent mm-hmm. back to their slave owners knowing that they're going to be beaten basically mm-hmm. to the point of death and trying to put her Christian worldview with what she was seeing and trying to separate oppression from the oppressors and hating the oppression without hating the oppressors and just how difficult that would be for any of us, you know, but here Mm -hmm. she is 15 and 16 writing these things. And then one of the things that I loved is that she, had this ambition, but mm-hmm. she had a lot of trouble separating, like, I want to make a difference and I want to help people. But she also would talk about like struggling with wanting to make a name for herself mm. and then praying like, God, help me not to be selfish and help me to mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. people. And I thought like, how universal is that? You know, yeah, like, totally have the same trials and struggles that she did, but that desire to use our gifts and our abilities for good without the selfish ambition is so mm. real. I think, That's something I needed to hear. And it's something that kids need to hear. You know, it's a daily struggle Mm -hmm. for me.
3: Yeah. Well, and I can see how it's so important for our kids, our daughters to hear these stories because it feels so much weightier of how much women, even, you know, 50 years ago had to walk through such courage Mm -hmm. and bravery and how that translates today yeah. Is so important. And yes, there are, you know, the girl power shirts and hashtag yeah. whatever. <laughs> I'm strong. And yes. All the, all the stuff that's out there today. Right. And almost like, a, do you even know what that means? Hashtag I'm strong mm-hmm. or yeah. like there's so much honor and honoring the stories of these 11 women is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And I can just see. I'm just picturing my daughter reading through these stories and like mind blown, you know, (laughs) and even my mind blown as I'm reading them of like, oh, gosh, like I'm not helping slaves come out of wherever. And Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay.
4: I think that's like the twofold thing of, you know, honoring their stories, like you're saying, and recognizing, but also recognizing God is the one who did that. You know, he's he's. the one who, and so many of these women like over and over again are talking about, you know, I wouldn't have stayed strong if it weren't for Mm. God working Mm. in me. And I just like, my prayer is that girls read that. And then they realize like, this is applicable to me right now. Like there is, you know, I mean, my kids don't always get along. Yeah. They fight all the time. Let's be honest.
3: <laughs> We're <laughs> be at that course. life stage. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Yes. yes. And uh-huh. so
4: it's easy. I think sometimes it's easy for me to be like, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to help people and I'm going to change the world, but I can't actually love the person that lives in my home. You know, I can't yeah. live 20 feet away from me. <laughs> <share>. Yes. <laughs> and so I want like, I want them to know the same God who empowered them to do big things, also empowered them to do small things. And he's doing mm-hmm, that in yes. you right now. I mean, we kind of went over that, but I think if any of these women could testify and talk to us, you know, these mm. are the things that they would say is I didn't know I was doing these things and I had no clue that anybody would ever write a book about me, yeah. but I just tried to live faithfully, you know, each day. And I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do you see, this is just random, but do you see any of the children today, the young girls today, like who their heroes are? Like, would they get these 11 women in their, I mean, some of them probably, but yeah. I'm just wondering, like, who who
4: are the their heroes today? That's, a, That's a really good question. You know, I know kids learn about some heroes in school mm-hmm. and some women of history. And that was one of the things that I struggled with is, like, do I write about people that they're already learning about, or Mm -hmm. do I introduce them to new people and kind of try to find a balance there? But yeah, I don't know. I think there are women from history that we look up to, you know, um, and then, I think it's, you know, it's okay to like recognize the trailblazing path of women who we can't necessarily agree with all of their decisions, but we can respect the fact that they, they did go where, you know, women hadn't gone before and they have created a path for women to march through in the future. And, and I think it's important that we're having those conversations with our girls too, to recognize that, Mm -hmm. you know we don't live in an age where nuance is part of a lot of our discussions about Mm. things like that. And so equipping them with the ability to think critically and say, you know, I can respect Supreme court justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg for some of the things that she did without Mm. agreeing with all of the things that she's done and the decisions Mm -hmm. that she's made. And, um, And so I just think like having those conversations, even with kids that are learning things in school and Mm -hmm. and being able to unpack some of that, I think our kids are going to need those skills because my generation doesn't have a lot of them. (laughs) And it's not something that we do particularly well a lot of the time.
3: Yeah, for sure. It's like keeping that open conversation and how many things that they hear all the time, every day of what seems like truth and Mm -hmm. then just coming back with it of, well, what does God say about that? And mm-hmm. having those tools and examples is so key.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, it opens up a huge, I think like a, I'd say just gives them a perspective that's so needed in today's culture where we tend to want to narrow things down and keep it isolated. This just yeah. opens them up to yeah. so many different possibilities that are available to them in the mm-hmm. small things and the large things yeah, of, yeah.
4: of what yeah. they want to
2: achieve or or what they think they can achieve.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think, you know, you were talking about taking ideas and kind of unpacking them and seeing like, what is the truth? And I've thought about that even, you know, you get a target and there are shirts that say like, the future is female and things mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. which biologically is just impossible. Let's be honest. But <laughs> yes. also, you know, let's unpack that, like you're mm-hmm. saying and giving our kids a robust look at, how men and women were created to work together and to help each other and Mm -hmm. to fulfill the mandate that God has given us and how we need each other. And, you know, my daughter's in fifth grade. Fifth grade is not really a time that girls and boys like each other a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) truth be told, there is such a maturity gap there that it's really hard to get over. But just giving them a view instead of saying like, girl power and the future is female and, you know, girls of the future and all of these things, how has God uniquely equipped you as a woman to serve him? And how can you work with the unique gifts of a man, you know, and giving Mm -hmm. them this more robust picture that's not us versus them? Because really, that's just the opposite extreme from where we have been for so long.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because that is like a rebel theme. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) just exactly what you said. And I would have never thought as a little kid growing up here now, I'm in my 40s, saying that, you know, a man and a woman, we were created in God's image. I mean, that statement alone is anti-culture. Yeah, Just saying that today that no, you were created for a unique specific purpose. And so is he. And Mm -hmm. how can we work together with men and women or boys and girls, however you want to work it is definitely going against the cultural norm today Mm -hmm. where we're headed. Yes.
4: Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Well,
4: and that's one of the reasons that I battled a little bit with like, do we market this book just for girls? Because I want my son to know about these women. For sure. And I want my daughter to know about the men that I've written about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good. Like it's accessible for both. But I also thought there's something powerful about giving girls this book that recognizes who they are as women and recognizes their giftings and recognizes, you know, these specific women and what they've done. And And I think that's something that girls and boys both need is to be affirmed in who they are in their femininity and their masculinity and not the toxic versions that the culture gives us, but in the biblical version. So I know I've heard you guys, I was listening to your interview with Vicki Courtney Uh about her book about boys and, you Uh know, that's so much on my heart with my own son. And so Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And a lot of the things that she said on there. My yeah. husband goes off on toxic masculinity <laughs> saying that it
2: really truly doesn't exist and that any guy who thinks that girls are not capable and not awesome right. and not able to achieve their goals is just a, a buffoon and everyone <laughs> sees them as a buffoon. That's a nice
3: word. <laughs> not the word he uses. Yes. Yeah. Don't get Ryan started don't on get toxic Ryan's. masculinity. Yeah.
2: Well, this is just exciting. I mean, I'm really looking forward to diving in with my daughter. She's mm-hmm. a little bit young, but I think she'll get the gist of what you're trying to do and empower her to see yeah. that there's a whole list of women out there that just to open up her mind to it.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. hope so. so. Yeah. I think seven is definitely accessible for that. So
3: for sure. Awesome. Was well, there anything else that you wanted to share before we sign off? I don't think so. Just thanks for having these
4: conversations and inviting parents in. I think it's really helpful and valuable. So and thanks for yeah. having me. It's really fun. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, we appreciate for you. on the show. <laughs>
2: and I can't wait to get your uh the boys' book strong. That'll be yes. perfect. June twenty fifth is
4: the release for that one.
3: Oh okay. great. And this one is already out. So yep. you can find it on Amazon. Yep. Empowered. Empowered. All right. Awesome. We thank Thanks. you.
1: Thanks for listening, Rebels. We appreciate you. We love you. Thanks for sharing this with your friends and family. It's why we grow. It's how we pay our bills, and we appreciate it greatly. Thank you to the Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for the gospel for more than 50 years. Persecution.com is their website. Thanks also to Catherine Parks for coming on this episode of Moms on the Mic on Rebel Parenting. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel
0: Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444 That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444 We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting.
1: Hey, Rebels! This part of the podcast is brought to you by Care of one of our new sponsors. The website is takecareof.com. The code word is Rebel Parenting. Twenty-five percent off your first month. It's hard to get back into a healthy routine when you've been out of it for a while. And Laura and I know this. We've been out of working out. We just joined a new gym. And I wanted to kickstart it. So I've been trying to figure out what vitamins and supplements to take. And so I went to my doctor. He did a blood panel. And he's recommended some things. And right about that time, Care Of called and said, we want to sponsor the podcast. And they provide uh, supplements, vitamins, and they've got a really neat online quiz you can take. And I was a little skeptical, but I went through the online quiz, filling out the things that I want to do. I want to lose weight, gain muscle, and help sleep, and uh, have some stress, stuff like that. They came back with virtually the exact same thing my doctor came back with after the blood panel. Uh, He said I needed magnesium and vitamin D, creatine, protein powder. They came back with the exact same thing, and I was stoked. It makes it so easy, so convenient. Shipped it right to our door, and they've got great-tasting flavors. We just mix it up in our tumblers, take it throughout the day. It's really been a huge help, and what I really look forward to Uh, look for in a company like this is the transparency where are the supplements coming from how are they packaged how are they brought to you and they've got all of that on there it's takecareof.com code word rebel parenting
0: welcome back to rebel parenting did you miss us